Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three sayas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. This is the word of the Lord. that it's kind of been real important to me as I think about who we are and where we're going. Uh, I told you about uh, going to a monastery at a very low point in my life and how the brothers there uh, welcomed me in and allowed me to do my own work with God. And that really is a, is a vision, I think, that God continues to keep before me that that, I think, is a big part of what All Souls' mission is in the city, that we are to be a community of people uh, who invite neighbors, invite guests, invite strangers in to do their own work with God. And that can happen, of course, corporately. It can happen in our personal lives. And, and one of the things that I thought we would do this summer is just step back and look a little bit about what the Bible says about hospitality, that we would look at some biblical stories. Because the Bible is very clear, while the world seems to be increasingly uh, tribal, increasingly uh, scared, increasingly worried about the other, God tells us to go the other way, to open ourselves to the stranger or the friend, the Greek word for hospitality, Thelosenia, uh, lover of strangers. Uh, Romans twelve thirteen, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, that's actually First Peter four nine. Romans twelve thirteen, seek to show hospitality. Hebrews thirteen two, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Titus one eight, a leader should not be greedy but hospitable. So this is a an essential, distinctive mark of the people of God. And so this summer we want to think a little bit about what does that really look like? Now this story is a very challenging story. I've read it many times. I'm not exactly sure what it means. It's a strange story. Uh, The Lord appears to Abraham, and the next thing we know, three men are appearing to Abraham, and the writer of Genesis goes back and forth, sometimes calling them the Lord, sometimes calling them Three men. We don't really know. Abram's sitting at the oaks of Mamre at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifts up his eyes. Behold, three men were standing in front of him. So we don't know exactly who these people are, but we do know this. Abraham is certain that God is in this, that God is up to something, that God is either in these people or among these people or going to work through these people in some way. We at least know 
that he sees this as a God-led moment. Now, I just want to stop right there as we start this journey in hospitality. I think there's a really important principle here. The Bible cannot teach that biblical hospitality means every time another person has a need, you are obliged to meet it. That cannot be what the Bible teaches. If that were true, you could never leave Market Square. Your entire life would be consumed by need. A need does not constitute a call. That is really, really important. A need does not constitute a call. Instead, you have to have a sense that God himself has sent these people to your tent. And this is how Jesus discerned who to minister to. Jesus didn't meet every need. Matter of fact, it's fascinating. Actually, most of the needs he saw, he walked by. How did he know which ones to meet? Well, he talks about it in John 5. He walks by the the pool of Bethsaida. There would have been dozens, if not hundreds, of sick, sick people there. He heals one, and he's asked, why did you heal that guy? And he says, Uh, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. This This is foundational to this whole discussion. A need does not constitute a call. You need to figure out who God has sent to your tent. That's not as easy as you think it might be. Because a lot of times, I think I'm responsible to meet somebody's needs when God hasn't asked me to meet their needs. And that is a surefire recipe for burnout and a lot of other bad things. And sometimes God has brought someone to my tent and they're right in front of my face and I'm not really seeing that God has called me to meet their needs. So I want you to be very prayerful about this tonight and this summer. Who has God brought to my tent? Who is that person? Well, the next thing that happens is Abraham runs to meet these three men, bows before them, and begs them for the favor of serving them. Now, obviously, part of this was cultural. We understand this, but there's more going on here than culture, right? Even in a hospitable culture, you don't run and bow to everybody that walks across the door. He thinks that God is going to meet him in these people. And that's why he runs, and that's why he bows. Because he understands that this is a sacred encounter of divine origin in which something profound is going to happen. So think for a moment about the people God has brought to your tent. How do you feel about it? Do you have a sense of anticipation and excitement about an adventure that is going to unfold? 
about an opportunity to meet God in, in this encounter in a way that you've never met him before? I'm going to ask Bruce to tell the story later, but it's been fun to watch him. Uh, he's my favorite curmudgeon. Uh, Bruce is tough. Bruce fought in Vietnam. Bruce has a hard, hard, tough, get-through-life approach. And a few years ago, Bruce's heart started to break for some people that landed in front of his tent. Most of them were from the east side, and they were trying to figure out how to get a decent job. And Bruce just started to open up the tent and spend time with these brothers and sisters, time and time and time until now in his retirement, he works full time at OBC at the Chain Center with this kind of a ministry. Well, Lynn comes grinning into prayer, the Eucharist prayer at 8 o'clock on uh, Wednesday morning. I live in their neighborhood. He says, did you see the big white van in our neighborhood? And I'd, I'd been going to swim practice at 5 in the morning, and I didn't see anything. Um, um, but I lied, and I said, yeah, tell me about it. Um, and she says, you'll never believe what's happened. There's a woman who got in touch with Bruce who works in Pigeon Forge, who has all these restaurants, and she has a heart to employ people that desperately need jobs. So they had a job fair at OBC to interview people that would work in these places. The only problem was they didn't have transportation. So Bruce went out, talked to some people, at least got a loaner van for a little while, and now Bruce is driving how many? Five, ten? Seven. Seven folks from the east side to Pigeon Forge every day and back so that they can have what for many is their first stable job. And when they were calling the different people to tell them that they'd gotten the job, a little six-year-old picked up the phone and they could hear in the background what she said. She said, Daddy, it's the job. You don't know what happens when you welcome someone into your tent. Bruce did not know what he was getting into when he did that. So it's a wonderful adventure. So he goes, he talks to Sarah, they make some bread, they sacrifice a calf, uh, they prepare this wonderful meal. And, and let's, let's not romanticize this. This is a Mideastern country. This is desert. This is the middle of the day. It could have been 120 degrees. Abraham is almost 100 years old. This is inconvenient. You know, this is not, uh, honey, would you run down to Trader Joe's, or could you call Papa John's? Uh, no, this, this is an enormous uh, sacrifice in the middle of the day to, to care for these people. And I think that's an important part of this story, too is that he doesn't look at the people who've come to his tent as an interruption. And too often, that's what I do. Doggone it, I had a plan for this afternoon. Doggone it, I had an hour. Doggone it, my emptiness is empty, and I'm going to read until I die, or whatever it is. <laughs> Not that I would actually think that. 
He doesn't act that way. He just welcomes these people as a gift from God and a journey to begin. And you may know how the story goes. Uh, God makes a promise that Sarah's going to conceive. She laughs. He says, why are you laughing? She says, I didn't laugh. Long story short, uh, a promise is made and fulfilled in the context of this hospitality. I think there's such a lovely principle here that when they open themselves up to the adventure of hospitality, God blessed them, made them promises, and invited them into a deeper walk and experience of his journey. That's what happens when you say yes to the people that come from the tent. That's what happens when you invite them to sit down is that you open yourself up to God in ways that you never would have imagined. Now, just one, one last thought. We have all summer to think about this, but it, it strikes me that what Abraham did not do is when they showed up, he didn't go back into the tent, shut the flap, and say, hi yay, yay, honey, would you go look at the fridge? How much bread do we have? How many cabs can we afford here? Dog, gone it. We're near the end of the month. He doesn't even seem to think about whether he actually has the resources to be hospitable. He just runs. And I really think this is important. This is something I've heard a lot of you talking about. It's something that I'm learning a lot about as well. The economics of the kingdom of God are different than the economics of this world. The economics of this world are economics of scarcity. I have stuff. I need my stuff. I don't want you to take my stuff. And I need to protect myself from you so that I can hold on to my stuff. And when that's the economics, when you see a need, when there's an opportunity to give money or time or resources, or as I was doing today and writing in my journal, who has God brought to my tent? And I was writing some things down, and I felt this overwhelming fatigue come over me that I do not have the emotional resources to meet these needs. I realize I'm starting from the economics of scarcity. And I would suggest to you that God will on purpose send someone to your tent whose needs you don't have the resources to meet. It's part of how he meets you. Economics of the kingdom are very, very different. The economics of the kingdom are of abundance. Think about all Jesus' teaching around food and the loaves and the fishes. The economics of the kingdom say, if God has brought you to my tent, I don't have to check the pantry. There will be enough. I want you to write down this week the names of at least three people God has brought to your tent. And I want you to pay attention to the emotional response you have when you write them down. 
And you don't have to get all spiritual about it. It might be like for Danny, Nor- for, for Danny Bullington, it's going to be a tribe in Kenya that he loves dearly and goes to every year. For some of our teachers, it might be their, their class at Fulton High School. It, it might be something like that. It, it might be for me, some kids on my swim team. It might be some, some aging parents. For you, it, it might be um, your husband. It might be your daughter. It, it doesn't have to you know, be, be worthy of a Facebook post. Who is it? And then pay attention to how you feel about meeting their needs and then begin a conversation with God. Because part of what this is all about is he wants to challenge your economics. He wants to shift you from a scarcity economy to an abundance economy. Let the journey begin. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord.